Welcome to Life on the Illinois Prairie. Your host is Wendy Fleming Dexter, and after 30 years living in small town Illinois, she has stories to tell. Past cornfields and factories, into the heart of Amish country. There's more here than what meets the eye, far beyond what you think you know. So buckle up and stay tuned. This is Life on the Illinois Prairie. Hi, and welcome to this episode of Life on the Illinois Prairie. I'm your host, Wendy Fleming Dexter, and today I have a guest that I've wanted to have on since I started this podcast. And welcome to James Aikman of Aikman Wildlife Adventure. James, thank you. No problem. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Well, I know that our listeners will be excited to hear more about your story. You could you would you like to give your background your uh, what got you involved in in having such a wildly successful business? Sure, yeah, it is uh, definitely not something that I ever planned on doing uh, for most of my life. Probably as a four or five year old, I could tell you the names of most animals on the planet. Uh, I'm someone who loves information, loves learning about things. Uh, animals were one of those things. So probably by my early 20s, I could tell you physical characteristics, habitats, where the animals are from. Uh, but this is honestly probably the last thing I thought I would be doing. My my background is in business and finance. So I worked at the State Bank of Arthur for about 10 years. And then on the night of October 22nd, 2013, had a dream that my wife and I owned and operated a wildlife park. I told her about it that next day. Uh, she looked at me and said, you're crazy. <laughs> our son's going to be born in a few weeks. We have enough on our plate. You need to get that thought out of your head. Uh, I agreed with her completely. <laughs> that night, though, I had the exact same dream and told her, I don't know why, but I feel like this is something God's wanting us to do. She said, well, if, if God's behind it, he'll find a way to make it happen. And so from there, my mind just started becoming flooded with thoughts, plans, ideas, layouts. Uh, I'm someone who would always hear people talk about, oh, I, I couldn't sleep in the middle of the night. So I got up and did laundry or I got up and did something. And I was always thinking, if you just, if you just lay there long enough, you're going to fall back asleep. You don't need to get up and do something. And then I kind of had to eat my own words. Uh, my mind was going a million miles a minute to where I, I couldn't sleep some nights. And so I just got out, got up, went to the computer and started kind of putting in different thoughts or things that we would need to look at into an Excel file, uh, an Excel spreadsheet. And so I think probably probably within a week, I had maybe five different tabs on that Excel spreadsheet, just looking at income, looking at expenses, trying to come up with cash flows, different things that we could do, should do, looking at attendance. I still use that same Excel file actually up on my computer right now. Mm -hmm. Now I probably have about 55 tabs in it, uh, but still use that. It's always very helpful to go back and kind of see where things started out, what we looked at doing. But 
during that 22 month period, I knew that I did not know what I wanted to know about the husbandry side, the raising of the animals. So I read everything I could, uh, watched everything I could, reached out to individuals that were raising a species that we might have at the park, went out, shadowed them, picked their brains. Uh, so I tell people I learned more in that 22 months than I did my four years of college. And then uh, September 1st of 2015, we closed on the Rockholm, former Rockholm Gardens property, started building the wildlife park there. Uh, the drive-through was actually ready to go in October, but USDA had some internal issues going on and was not going out to inspecting facilities. So we did not mm. get inspected until uh, January. Unfortunately, we were hoping to have some income coming in in the fall, but couldn't make it out until January. So the drive-through opened up March of 16. Rest of the park opened up Fourth of July weekend of 16. So we've we've had the property for a little over eight years now and been open to the public for a little over seven years. Well, you you had some other obstacles along the way before you got uh, that particular site, um, didn't you? Uh, you had hoped to get by the Great Pumpkin Patch. Yes, that is correct. So we. I grew up in Arthur. I was very involved in the community. I was president of the Chamber of Commerce at one point. I was on the Economic Development Board, uh, president of the, the Tourism Board. Uh, I even ran for city council and was elected as one of the trustees. Uh, so we, we knew that we wanted to do this. We wanted to be in the community, to be a blessing to the community. We also knew that people were already coming to this area, whether that was for the Amish or whether for other things. So uh, we kind of just figured out we needed to figure out how to get them to our doorstep. So during that 22 month period, honestly, what took it so long was the fact that we were trying to find land. So farm ground around here is very high quality. And then on top of that, there is a large uh, Amish population. And so between the farm ground and between Amish families wanting to buy land so their kids can live closer to them, asking people to part with land around here is like asking them to part with their firstborn <laughs> child. And so we, we thought we had, throughout that 22 months, we thought we had a different place lined up and something happened and they pulled the plug and it fell through. And then we finally found this land west of the pumpkin patch that we thought was going to work out. We signed a contract on it. Uh, it was in Moultrie County. Moultrie County has rural zoning. And so we could have built the entire park. We could have done everything we wanted to do and have it fall under the ag zoning. However, uh, we couldn't charge people to come onto the property under that. Mm. So because I needed to charge people to come onto the property to make my business plan work, uh, that required a special use permit. And so then that opens the door to basically provide a platform if anyone wanted to oppose it or question it or anything like that. There were five 
five households that lived around the property we were looking at. Uh, we touched base with each of them, uh, even had one of our fr- kind of mutual friends uh, introduce, take us out to lunch kind of thing with one of them. And just honor is a big deal to me. So I wanted to be kind of upfront what we were thinking and what we were looking at doing. Uh, and so two of the households uh, ended up not wanting it to be by them. And so they hired an attorney for that special use permit process. And that, uh, I believe the first hearing meeting was February 4th and it went all the way into June. I think June 17th was the last one. Uh, during that time, my faith was definitely tested, uh, but it never once was an option to not move forward with the park. I knew that God gave me to do it and that we would figure out a way. Uh, during that time, I also, like, I'm pretty laid back. All my team will tell you I'm as laid back as they come. I'm easygoing. I don't worry about a whole lot. Uh, I'm not a very big person, but during that time, I lost about 10 to 15 pounds just mm-hmm. because uh, it was, at that point, it was the most stressful thing I had gone through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we thought we were getting closer and then something would happen. And then finally on that last day that uh, in June, kind of, I was up on the stand more or less being questioned and uh, it was it was made clear that regardless of what we would do or say or compromise that it it was not gonna it was not gonna be in anyone's best interest for us to be there mm-hmm. and so we made the decision to pull back from that and even though that was that was a blow to the short term. We knew long term we'd be better off being somewhere else. And then I think July 3rd, we went out and kind of toured Rockholm Gardens. We had already known that Rockholm was, would be a potential issue, but because of just all of the buildings and the paths and everything, it was, it was a, a very daunting task to try to make our vision fit hmm on a place that already had so much structure. Mm-hmm. And so we, we knew that going into it. Now we knew, well, let's see if we can't figure something out. So uh, one of my brothers and I, both of us, we are very, very good at being able to visualize things so we can kind of put a map together and then walk through a property and see it as if it is already built and done how we wanted it done. So we did tour the property. Uh, It had been uh, a few years since I had been to Rockholm. So I was, I was surprised at the condition, I guess, that some of the buildings were in. So there was, there was water damage. uh, There were roofs collapsing in. So we knew immediately that some of these buildings were probably going to have to go uh, with the rock structures Again, I mentioned honor is a big deal to me and kind of everything we had heard was that during the Great Depression, Arthur Martin 
who owned Progress Tank, had this property as kind of his summer home, and he would bring his guys out here to build the rock structures instead of just laying them off like a lot of other businesses were doing. Mm. So I that that meant a lot to me, and so I wanted to I wanted to keep as much of that as possible. the The issue we were finding out was they used the steel bending equipment from the tank factory to make all the different shapes and then mortar and the rock went on top of the steel to make the structures. Uh, For whatever reason, some of them were, the steel had rusted through quite a bit. So they were very, very unstable. And so we started doing what we called the ASA test. So my son, ASA, he was uh, almost two at the time. I would hold him and then we'd walk up and if he could touch something and it, it wobbled, then it was too much of a liability and we had to, we had to take it down. Mm-hmm. There were also some different rock archways that you could walk through and we were able to reach up and grab rocks from there and actually pull them out of the mortar. So mm-hmm. if we could pull them out, we knew it was only a matter of time it fell out mm-hmm. and with with what we were doing with the park, we are Illinois' first and only drive-through uh, safari drive-through facility, and we knew we were going to have a lot more interaction with animals. So there was already going to be liability that we were working on mitigating, and so to have this additional liability from the rock structures was did not make sense at all. So we were we did have to remove some of them. We did save quite a few of them. They're kind of stockpiled up and we've been slowly working on incorporating them into our landscaping. Uh, but that July 3rd, we walked around, kind of got an idea of the property, of the lay of the land. And then my brothers and I kind of went back and came up with some different revisions on how we could make a drive through work there and also a walk through there with all the buildings that were there. Uh, and then the the biggest thing that we we didn't know about the property that became a, a complicated part was the drainage was pretty poor. So we went out there another week, and it had poured down rain, and there were giant puddles, almost small ponds in mm. different places. I'm not sure how they operated beforehand. If it if it poured down rain, I don't know if they just closed sections off or people had to walk around, but. Hmm that wasn't going to be feasible for what we wanted to do. So we had to come up with a solution for that as well. We did, uh, I'd say probably by the end of July, we had come up with a plan to make our park fit there. And we had come up with a plan to deal with the drainage. We kind of put in a, a meandering ditch that went through the walkthrough and it would hit all those low points. And then we were able to tile other low points into that ditch and so that that ditch is still a huge help to us today it moves a ton of water Hmm. uh out of the walkthrough area but uh able to come up with a plan we made them an offer and then uh kind of went back and forth and then kind of signed a contract around mid-august and then we closed september 1st uh it was definitely different. We were originally thinking that it, we were going to have bare ground to kind of start from scratch, mm-hmm. but it has worked out very well that the night of the last hearing, 
I went home and was talking to my wife and it's like, why do you think God had us go through all of this just to not be here now? And we started talking through things and came up with probably about eight different, eight different reasons that we could see going through it. One, uh, a lot of people hope that when they're tested, they will be the person they want to be, but sometimes people are not ever tested in a way to know for sure. Uh, I was definitely tested in multiple scenarios during that, and I handled myself how I hoped I would. And so one thing that came out was just knowing that I am the man that I hoped I was. And so that my my faith definitely increased during those few months of those trials. And that kind of was the next step to get me prepared to take on starting my own business. So like the wildlife park was a brand new type of business, never done in the area before, uh, not even in the state before. Uh, I had not really started a business before. And on top of that, at that time I was, I was just turning 30. So uh, I was very young from that standpoint. And so we knew we kind of had a lot of things that might be working against us, but going through that definitely helped me, especially with my faith and trusting God in things and the kind of confidence level I needed. And that kind of helped us. I mentioned earlier, we were planning for the drive-thru to be open in October of 15 so we could start bringing money in and that did not happen. So we kind of had to figure out what, what else could we do without being open to the public uh, to raise funds or to lower expenses or things like that. And so going through the, the other site was not uh, part of our plan at all. Having to deal with that, mm-hmm. looking back at it though, it, it definitely made us stronger for sure. And this site has worked out unbelievably for us. So uh, we're, we're very happy with where we are now. Well, divine guidance all the way along. I mean, God gave you a, a natural curiosity and then, you know, made sure that you had a proper education and business and background and um, gave you this vision, these, this dream of what you wanted. And then, as you say, tested your faith along the way. But then he had such a such a great plan at the end for you. I mean, it's just amazing story to me that it worked out the way it did for you and, and, and did test your faith and did make you see that you are the person that you thought that you were. That must, that must be a very rewarding thing and, and a good way to build your family. You know, a good, a good foundation for your yeah. family. Yeah, absolutely. Correct. Yeah, so that, that was, was very beneficial for us. And then we had other members of the community coming up and talking to me, tell me, I don't, I don't know how you, I don't know how you went through that without retaliating or fighting back or anything like that. But I, I knew that going through it, we would have a, basically a microscope on us and I couldn't just talk the talk, but I needed to walk the walk as well. Mm -hmm. And so that, that has now set a, 
set kind of a, an example and a precedent for our family now for essentially generations to come. That's wonderful. Plus, you know, uh, people, I think it means a lot to people who love animals and would enjoy the experience that you have knowing that there is honor behind that. It's not just a place you're going to drive through and you, that you wonder about the animals, if they're going to be cared for, if they're properly taken care of. And I know that you guys do that. I know that that's very important to you. you, you you're having a vet come in. Is that correct? Uh, is there a vet coming in to look at the, some of the animal's teeth? Is that correct? That is correct. Our, uh, so Sable is our 501c3. So that's our, our nonprofit that we, uh, it kind of functions as a zoological society. So it, it helps financially with any of uh, the feeding, caring for, or providing homes for the animal, as well as educating the public. And so every, every November, we do our Toast to Wildlife fundraising banquet. So it, we have a, a meal, we have a live auction, we have a silent auction, uh, and it's usually a, a great time had by everyone. And so that that is coming up. Uh, it'll be on November 10th. And so we're, we're excited about that. That's a great way to kind of tell some of the stories, some of the situations that animals are, are coming from to where they are now and what they're able to experience and the lives they're able to live now and get people to kind of build relationships with the animals. Mm -hmm. So how many animals do you have now and how many different species do you have? Uh, so we have mammals, birds, and reptiles. Uh, if you include all of them, we have probably a, a little over 240 animals altogether. Uh, species wise, probably around a hundred or a little over a hundred different species <laughs> split up kind of between the, the walkthrough side of the park and the drive-through side. I, I may have mentioned this before. My dad grew up just like four or five miles from, from Rock Home Gardens. And, I, and when I think of him, he died in 1994. But when I think of him seeing zebras and camels and all these uh, animals just within a few miles of where he grew up, he would, he would blow his mind. <laughs> and I think that I think that people have em sure. embraced that um here it is, here we are in rural Illinois and having the only facility of its type it's just uh, it's amazing to me we we do get a lot of people that come saying they had no idea something like this existed in Illinois let alone in in a small area like what we are it's, we're not we're not Champaign or Bloomington or Springfield or anything like that but uh, it it leaves people very pleasantly surprised, and that's uh, when people are surprised in a good way. It usually resonates with them a lot more, and they're willing to go and share it with other people. And so that word of mouth has been huge for us. Oh, I bet. And so then you were just, you know, you were realizing your dream. Everything was moving forward, and then came COVID. So what was the impact on your business? I know that, you know, I know that you have a lot of things you could do behind the scene and following your planning and your preparations and all, but still there was that lack of income coming in for the most part. So what was your situation with that? Yes. So 
one of my brothers, so I live on site with my wife and kids. And then one of my brothers also lives on site with his wife and kids. Uh, he is the pessimist of the family. Uh, he calls himself a realist, but he is a pessimist. And 2019 was a relatively slow year for us just because our busy season goes from Memorial Day weekend to Labor Day weekend. And then we're uh, kind of busy in September and October, but then really November through March, it was in the beginning, it was fairly dead out here just with it being Illinois winters. Mm. And during the busy season of 19, the weather could not have been worse for us. Mm. So tons of rain uh, in May in the springtime. It always seemed to storm on the weekends, which Saturdays are our busiest days. And we seem to get a lot of storms on that. And then what we've also, what we also have seen anytime it starts to get really hot or really cold, it seems to take people probably two, sometimes three weeks to adjust to it and realize that the world is not actually coming to an end. And so that heat wave, uh, the first few years would hit in May. So by the time summer was in full swing, people are already used to it. That year, the heat wave hit beginning of July and July is normally our busiest month. Mm. And so that kind of killed our July. Mm -hmm. So in November, I was up in our conference room. That's where we have some whiteboards. That's where I do a lot of thinking and praying and things. I was, I was praying about and just saying, God, we, we can't do another year like 19. We need to figure out what, what can be done differently. And <laughs> he spoke very clearly that 2020 was going to be our best year ever. And so I told the team that at our next management meeting. Uh, and then I think it was March 11th of 20 when we got kind of the issue to shut down. And so my my pessimistic brother came up to me. He's like, 2020 is our best year ever. <laughs> yeah, right. And I said, just, just wait. Just wait mm -hmm. and see what happens. So we were, we were shut down March and April. And like, there was a lot of talk about businesses just turning the light switches off, stepping out. Well, that, that doesn't work for our business because mm -hmm. we have over 200 animals to care for. So we were still coming in. We were still working. Expenses were not really changing at all, but the income mm. had disappeared. Uh, and so we were able to do some, some virtual things. We call them sofa safaris where we did videos of talking about a certain animal each week and kind of raising some donations through that. And so that helped a little bit and then uh, worked with the county to open up our drive-through starting in May of that year. Uh, in the drive-through, people are in their own vehicles. They're already quarantined. We were already that spring planning to offer online booking. And so we were positioned ready for that. People could pay online and then they wouldn't have to do anything when they came here other than show their receipt through the window or anything, something like that. And so we thought, well, let's open up the drive-through. It's only part of our park, but let's see what happens. And like the Saturday before Mother's Day, we started noticing out our gift shop window, we were seeing a line of cars. So our ticket booth was at the far end and cars getting to where the gift shop can see them are probably 20, 20 cars deep in order to get back there. Mm. And we thought maybe there was a holdup. 
going out there to look, <laughs> hold up. There's just that many cars in the parking lot. Uh, before lunch, the cars were past the gift shop all the way to the entrance off the road. And we thought, holy cow, what, what's going on? And then I left for lunch and I came back and the cars were all the way down the road to the four-way stop. And so I was, I was getting a little concerned about the weight that people had to endure to get into the drive. People are going to be grumpy because we never really anticipated anyone having to wait that long. We found out basically from the stop sign to the ticket booth, it was about a 45-minute wait. Oh, my. Uh, and we were, sending, we were sending team members out there to go up to the vehicles and to tell them the rules of the road and kind of tell them the options. So when they got up to the ticket booth, all they had to do was pay, and then they could drive right in. That sped up the process, but that didn't, that didn't really put a dent in the line because mm. more cars kept coming. But people were... Every, we, my team was in shock about how <laughs> nice people were, how friendly people were. People were just so excited to be out of their house. Uh, some of those people in that line, they had come from four hours away up north of Chicago just to come and do the drive-through to get out of the house and do something. Mm-hmm. So in May, we normally we average about 40,000 people coming out a year and working on building that up. In May alone, we had 20,000 people come out to do the drive-through. <sighs> Uh, best month we had ever had at that time. And then in June, we started slowly opening up the walkthrough side. We would do our behind the scene tours. And so basically one group was coming in at a time and kind of set it up that way. I think by middle of June, we had got to go ahead since most of our walkthrough was outside. People could kind of social distance as much as they wanted to. We opened up the walkthrough thinking maybe 25% of the people would actually come in. And I think it ended up being closer to 95% of the people. Uh, Each week kept getting busier than the previous week. Uh, Probably, I think the 20th of June around there, we had a just a random post on a Thursday just saying open Thursday 10 o'clock to five o'clock <laughs> that started going viral. Uh, when I noticed it, I think it had reached 300,000 people already. <laughs> so we edited it. We edited the post to show all of our hour, all of our days, just because I didn't want people seeing that and thinking for some reason we're only open on Thursdays. So we edited the post. Uh, I think by July 4th, it had reached over 900,000 people and we saw every time it would get a boost, we would see a, an influx of traffic that next weekend. Hmm. I think by July 11th, uh, it had broken a million and a half. And then I think it ended up kind of topping out at 2.4 million. So Hmm. the people being at their, houses whether they're working from home or not more people spending time with a computer and so from a social media standpoint it kind of created the perfect storm for us i think our our facebook following went up about 50,000 likes <laughs> from march 
to August of that year. And just each month we were kind of setting new records. And so, uh, 2020 ended up being our, our best year ever. I think we had about a little over 76,000 people coming through the park. We kind of talked internally about, we had a monopoly on fun things to do because everything was designed for people to be outside or be in their own vehicles, whereas other places didn't necessarily have that same setup. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that definitely helped, helped make up for those two months of not having any income coming in whatsoever and actually allowed us to get some projects done that we had been hoping to get done to make the park even better. So one of those was uh, starting the process of putting concrete sidewalks in. Uh, Another one was starting the process of building a bed and breakfast. And then the the third one was adding on to our museum of prehistoric life so we could do do more phases. And so we were able to move forward with all three of those. And it was a great year. And then I think after that year, uh, after we saw what was happening, my my brother stopped <laughs> questioning if I said, God said this. And he, he knew it was probably going to happen. No. I was wondering, I was going to ask you if your pessimistic brother had changed his mind by that time. How many brothers do you do you have? How many um, your family are they all involved in the wildlife adventure? Uh, yeah, so I I tell people that I have three brothers. I technically have I only have two brothers uh, by blood. I have two younger brothers, and then Daniel uh, is an Amish guy that's been with us from the very beginning, and he has become like our adopted brother. Oh, uh, so. Andrew is my brother that lives on site with me. Uh, Bobby, he's our youngest brother. He was in, uh, he was full time with us in the very beginning for the first few years. His background is kind of IT side of things. And so he did a lot with getting us set up with those kind of things. Hmm. Uh, he made it clear in the beginning he did, didn't really have any interest in uh, taking care of animals or shoveling manure or anything <laughs> like that, which that was that was fine. Sure. Uh, and then they kind of, him and his wife started doing weddings and receptions here, at the restaurant. And then they, they had the opportunity there. They're actually moving down to Tennessee. Uh, actually, I think they're, they're leaving today to go down there. So they've got the house done down there and they're moving mm. down there. So um, we'll still bounce things off of him or, talk about things whenever he comes back. He just doesn't doesn't play an active role in things at this point. I see. Uh, you mentioned the uh, the bed and breakfast. Is that the Elk Lodge that I've seen advertised? That is, yep. So Elk Ridge Elk. Uh, is our first one. We've got kind of two more in the works. Uh, Elk Ridge is out. It kind of overlooks the pond. So there's a big deck that you can look out across the pond to see in the drive through so you can see any of the animals out there. There's also a kind of a grassy peninsula on the, the east side of Elk Ridge that our water buffalo or our elk will swim across the pond to come over and start grazing on that grass. Um, and so you can sometimes you can look out the window and see animals right out the window or right out on the deck. 
And so it's definitely a definitely a, a different experience. And then the the other two are working on uh, will they have big giant windows, whether you're in the living room or you're in the two bedrooms on each side that look out into a habitat. So one of them will be our our wolf dog. So the wolves will be kind of right on the other side oh, of the wow. glass, and then. Uh, still working on figuring out what animal makes the most sense for the for the third one. Hmm. Yeah, I I go by I go by your place all the time, and I always see the wolf dogs. And uh, when the animals were on the north side, when you when you uh, moved the entrance to the south side, I used to go in the north side there and take pictures of the turkey and the emus and all those. Uh, and so the z dogs and z dog and zebras sometimes. It's just such an interesting experience. Okay, sure. But I know you do. You, is this is your plan to do you move? You moved the entrance to the south side. Are you going to move it back to the north side eventually? I mean, I know you are you waiting to that for that north side to recover from the animals being on it as long as they have been. I know that they get at the tree bark. Uh, so yeah, so our our park is about forty acres. And the big yellow barn that's on the far east end of the parking lot, we, even though we had 40, we were leasing about an acre and a half from our neighbor just on the other side of that yellow barn. Mm -hmm. And that acre allowed the pond side of the drive-thru to connect to that north side Mm -hmm. of the drive-thru. And about two years ago, he contacted us, said he was going to be wanting that back and so we we had to figure out how we were going to make that work because we only have we have about 15 to 18 feet maybe off of the barn hmm. so we didn't really have enough room for two lanes of traffic plus animals being able to move so we knew we were going to have to come up with something else uh on the south side, we had about six acres. That's where we were originally planning to expand the walkthrough into. Hmm. And so we thought, well, let's let's take our our five and a half acres of drive-through on the north side and flip it to the south side, and then we could also move our entrance and exit. We I was never I was never thrilled about where the entrance was, just because that the yellow barn was right there when you drove in Mm -hmm. and I just it it never looked how I wanted it to look on top of that our parking lot currently is our biggest bottleneck at the park Mm -hmm. so it it's about an acre and a half parking lot but it's very long and narrow uh not laid out efficiently at all we we've added some parking spots uh designated some with railroad ties but just how Rockham had it it was not that it was not that efficient. And so on top of that, with our drive through entrance being all the way down at the other end, that means anyone just wanting to do the drive through has to drive down the parking lot. So it mm-hmm. it increased traffic going down there. So families, kids getting out of the car, there was a lot more traffic to look out for. So we knew moving the entrance and exit, we could kind of make it a little more how we wanted it to be. But that would also alleviate some pressure from the parking lot. The other thing about the south half, for whatever reason, those the rock fencing down there was a lot more stable. So hmm. we were able to leave that up uh, so the people can see that as they're driving through. So it makes the drive through a little more unique. But then the acreage to the north 
we will be expanding into that. Uh, we'll kind of be flipping our parking lot instead of it going east and west. We'll go north and south. Hmm. We can make it. Right now, the parking lot can hold, I think, maybe 125, 150 cars if people park smartly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the new parking lot, even though it wouldn't be a whole lot bigger in size, the more efficient layout could hold closer to 250 to 300 cars, which would be helpful. Mm-hmm. But then we could also expand the museum out that direction as well as uh, do some things with the walkthrough out that direction. And instead of coming into where you come into now, we'd probably eventually move the entrance and exit for the parking lot to the very north end of the property, potentially. Hmm. We have some things in mind for that space. We've talked about a lot of different options, but we know we know parking is important. Museum expansion is important and being able to do a few more things for the walkthrough. So just trying to figure out what that combination best looks like out there. Could you um, explain the different options? I know you have the drive-through and the uh, behind-the-seas adventure. I have seen a triple crown. What is that? Sure. Yep. So from the from the very beginning, we really wanted to offer options that could work for anyone on any income level. So we have the we have the walkthrough only, or the drive-through only, uh, and then our triple crown is the drive-through, the walk-through, and the Museum of Prehistoric Life. So kind of all three points are included in that. People can do that. Uh, kind of the the next up adventure from there is our wagon ride. So the wagon holds about 20 people. <laughs> Everyone gets a cup of food. There's a guide on the wagon telling you about the animals. It takes you out into the drive-through, same place that you would be driving your own vehicle through, uh, just USDA uh, does not really allow unsupervised feeding or caring or feeding or petting of the animals. So people have to keep their windows up on the wagon though. We make two to three stops. The animals know there's food on there. So they come up, uh, you can feed them, you can pet them. And the guide's telling you about the animals. Uh, our next up tour is called our off-road adventure. So instead of going out on the wagon, you go out on the UTV and do the drive through that. Uh, it can it's up up to five people, but you can add on like three people can ride in the the bed of the Viking as well. So we can easily do eight people on that. Uh, that is a much more in your face type of experience. The zebras, camels are sticking their heads in versus being stopped by the wagon railing. And then our most up close and personal adventure is we call it our behind the scenes adventure. And so that. That includes the UTV ride in the drive-through, but it also includes a guided tour through part of our walkthrough, and you go in with some of the animals. So like right now, behind the scenes, you go in with our mutt jack, a tiny deer species. You go in with our kangaroos. Uh, you see the fox a little closer up, and so it's uh, that one takes about an hour. Uh, the off-road and the wagon are both about 30 minutes, and then on the driving your own vehicle through. We tell people we've had people go through in about 15 to 20 minutes. We've also had people take over an hour out there. So people can do the drive through kind of at their own pace. If they want to stop to take pictures or watch the animals, that's up to them. They're all a lot of fun. The ones that we've been on, we we've enjoyed immensely. And 
I recommend this to anyone that's if you've if you've if you've been a dozen times, you know, it's never the same thing twice. The animals never respond the same way. And if you've never been, you really need to go to Aikman Wildlife. And you have a, a, a see pathway of lights that's coming. When is that coming up? Correct. So kind of I mentioned earlier that November through March is super slow out here. And so we're always looking for ways we can bring people out, bring income in. And Christmas time has always been a big deal to us. We we wanted to do this from the very beginning, but just didn't have the time or the resources. And so uh, I think this year will be our fifth year of doing our pathway of life. And so what that is, uh, it'll start uh, November, Saturday, November 18th. So it's Saturday nights. It'll run through the end of December. Usually, usually from 5.30 to 8 o'clock, we have lights put up all around part of our walkthrough so people can come out, walk through the walkthrough, see Christmas lights. Uh, the petting zoo is open. They still see some of our animals. We have our, our watering hole, which is our, our concession stand, open selling hot food and drinks and things like that in there. Our museum is open. And then the drive-through, last year was the first year we incorporated the drive-through into it. We'll do that again this year. Uh, we have billboards out there and we always wanted to figure out how could we involve the drive through in it. A lot of people think, well, just, just put up light displays out there. Like, uh, some of the parks around here do like Peterson park or even Everhart park and Arthur. Uh, the issue is that the lights look pretty at nighttime, but those structures mm -hmm. are up all day long so you don't really see them in the daytime but our animals would see them all the time so our animals would probably rub up against them or would chew them or anything like that on top of that we've talked about peterson park for example they you drive through it it is full of lighted displays we could take as many lighted displays as what they have but because our drive-through is such a bigger space it would not seem as by any means and so could be a letdown in that regard but then it also comes back to all those lighted displays need to be plugged in they need power mm. we don't really have power all over our drive mm -hmm. cord so one thought i had was what if we didn't focus on lights what if we did something different something other uh that involved christmas and so came up with the idea of our five billboards throughout the drive-through depicting uh, scenes and verses that tell the nativity story. Oh. And so people can drive through the drive-through. They can see the animals kind of at nighttime, which is a much different experience than driving through the daytime. And then the billboards are kind of, like I said, depicting the nativity story as they're driving through. Wow, that is so cool. I've, I'll be honest, I've not been to that, but now knowing that the museum and things are open, because usually it's kind of cold and I'm a, I'm, I'm a wimp. The older I get, the more I dislike the cold. I'm thankful to have another day. Sure. And I don't sure. want to wish my life away, but I wish it was sure. April 1st. But uh, James, this has been delightful. <laughs> Absolutely wonderful. Would you like to give all your contact information, how the best ways are that people could, could get in touch with Aikman Wildlife Adventure? Sure. Yeah. Facebook is probably our biggest platform, and that's just Aikman Wildlife Adventure. Uh, same thing on Instagram. Facebook is definitely, like I said, our biggest. Uh, our website is what we use as well, and that's aikmanwildlife.com. Uh, all of our contact information is on there on all of those platforms, but then our, our park email 
if anyone had any questions or wanted to reach out about anything, it's just info at AikmanWildlife.com. Well, James, I can't thank you enough for taking time to be here. I, I, as I said, I've passed by your place all the time and, and knowing I knew a little bit of the backstory, but hearing the words from your mouth and how faith has propelled you forward and how God had a plan for you is just pretty amazing, pretty amazing. And I know it's going to touch a lot of people. So uh, I want to thank you for being here. And I want to thank the listeners who stopped by today. And I appreciate if you've enjoyed Life on the Illinois Prairie. Please like or subscribe and please tell your friends and please be kind. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Life on the Illinois Prairie, the undercurrents of our American life. If you haven't yet, go ahead and subscribe to Life on the Illinois Prairie wherever you get your podcast. Stay tuned for more stories, interviews, and updates. I'm your host, Wendy Fleming Dexter. Until next time. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.